Welcome to the Revolution Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Wood. Thank you for joining us today. This is the sports edition of the Revolution Sports Podcast. So thank you for joining us on this Thursday morning. And it's going to be all about sports. And there's plenty of stuff to break down, plenty of stuff to talk about. There's just been so much going on in so many different areas. We saw the World Series come to a conclusion. And congratulations to the Braves and all the Braves fans out there, including myself. I'm a huge Braves fan myself and was Happy to see them win it. I was very skeptical, though, as any Georgia fan or Georgia sports fan is seeing how many times Georgia sports has choked away opportunities to either win championships or rings or titles, whatever you want to call it, and just seen it so many times not go in their favor. So it was nice to finally see what I would call the Georgia sports curse come to an end, and hopefully that's good news for other sports teams in Georgia. So. With that said, though, we got some stuff we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the World Series, recap that, because we haven't really had a chance to talk about that anymore since Monday when we last talked about the Braves and the Astros, when at that point the Braves had went up 3-1. We had some stuff go on in Game 5, and then Game 6 rolled around, and obviously the Braves took care of business and were able to to win. So going to talk about that. Then we got our first set of the college football playoff rankings, and I got a lot to say about that because, well, we'll just get into it when we get to that point. A lot of stuff does not make any sense to me. Um, and on top of that, I'll kind of, we won't get too deep into some of the topics in the NFL, but I just kind of want to kind of run through the headlines of what's been going on there. Just been a lot of stuff coming out of, out of the NFL, just a lot of random stuff, a lot of crazy stuff. We also had some trades due to the trade deadline so just have some different stuff i'll kind of just blow through the headlines real quick kind of just like quick fast topics that have happened so two biggest things that we're going to hit world series college football playoff rankings so enjoy the episode and let's get right into it so like i said talking about world series we see the braves ended up winning the world series first time since 1995 for the braves and this was just great for the whole entire atlanta sports culture there the georgia sports culture all around the state and ultimately, this series, this series, what I even said when I previewed this matchup before it even took place was that it was going to come down to the pitching for the Braves, and I even called it perfectly. I said Braves in six. I mean, obviously, that's just a guess, and anybody can guess and get it right, but my prediction was correct. I said Braves in six, and I said it was due to their pitching. I felt like they had an advantage there compared to the Astros, who had to kind of just piece their lineup together as they went due to some injuries and some of their star pitchers not even being there due to you know injuries and outside factors that they didn't even have control of in some instances, so... The Braves, I just felt like they had an advantage. The only thing that kind of scared me when it, we walked into this series was the Astros' offense has obviously been great, and when they've gotten down, that hasn't really affected them, and they've been able to find a way to come back. And we saw instances of that, especially in Game 5, where the Braves ended up going up 5-0, and then all of a sudden you see the Astros rattle off just nine straight at that point. And so... They ended up winning that game 9-5, to so that was something that was a concern. They could just get hot at the right time, and I think a lot of people were wondering after they won that, were the Braves going to finally just be able to take care of business in Game 6? Because a lot of people, including myself, thought if this game got to a Game 7, it's just not good for the Braves and what was going to happen at that point. Because in Game 7, we all know anything can happen, everything's on the table, you, you just have no clue what could absolutely happen, so... For this, you knew if you were the Braves, you had to take care of business in Game 6, and they absolutely took care of business on both sides 
the bats were great that night. The pitching was phenomenal. And this is another concern I had. After watching Max Freed, his last two starts in the NLCS against the Dodgers, we saw him give up. It was six runs, in that, or five runs. It was six or five. One of them was six, one of them was five. So it was either five or six runs against the Dodgers in his last start. And then we also saw him give up one in just game two of this series. We saw him give up five or six. So it's either it's one or the other. I don't have the stat right in front of me, but... We just saw him really, just really struggle in his last two starts, and so I was kind of confused seeing him walk out there for game for game six. Obviously, that's the reason that they have managers; they get paid to make these type of decisions. So they sent him out there, and he did what he was supposed to do: give up, gave up zero runs, and just was absolutely dominant on the mound. It kind of seemed like he was struggling at first in the first inning, like he had previ- like he had previously done in his first two starts. We saw the Astros be able to get on base pretty quickly. They had a runners on second and first, and it just looked like he was basically just going to sh- have another outing that we saw. I mean, just that was the early stages of the game. Obviously, you continue to, I mean, move forward in the game, but and thankfully he was able to just seemed like he just really locked in and just changed gears and pushed it to another level and was able to give six innings and absolutely just took care of business. The Astros could just never get rolling. Kept him guessing, especially a lot with his outside pitch, and just did a great job. And then on the offensive side for for Atlanta, you just saw them dominate like they have, I mean, throughout this series, especially with the long ball, they've been able to kill home runs. We saw... Freddie hit one, we saw Solar hit one, and we also saw Swanson hit one. So, obviously, Jorge Solar ends up taking home MVP honors in this, as we all saw just two nights ago. So, we see we see the Braves end up just, like I said, walking into this, taking care of business, and walking out in six games. Very good series for the Braves. And this is just a credit to their whole entire team. I mean, you see earlier on in the year, they weren't even – they were barely just scraping to get to 500 back in August. And then all of a sudden they go on this incredible run, and you end up after just some piece, just some trades that were pieced together, putting some players in just different spots from all around. And that's credit to the Braves, the Braves front office, and everything they got they did there and brought in, and just pieced play, uh, players in the right spots, and was able to get hot when they needed to, and just wrote it out. And then you get to the playoffs, and anything can happen. And the Braves just did what they were supposed to. They played good baseball for three straight series. And like I said, you can't you can't say much else about it. They did exactly what they were supposed to, and that's great. So going on from here, the Braves, obviously, they still got a lot of young, young guys. You got, I mean, so many different young guys. You got Albies, you got Acuna, you got uh, – Ian Anderson. I mean, you just got a lot of really good young ta- talent on that team, and for the Braves, they should obviously continue to look to contend. I feel like they have a good shot next year as well. But the biggest thing for them, there's two things that they have to do next year. Obviously, one's in the off season, one's during the during the season. The first one is you got to sign Freddie Freeman again. He's been great in his all his time. He's been in Atlanta, and. So this obviously this World Series was huge for him being there as long as he has. So you got to re-sign him. He's kind of just that heart and soul of that team. Bring him back, and then obviously next year you kind of just got to stay healthy. We saw a lot of guys that were the in and out. We saw them lose Acuna for the whole year, so that was obviously devastating. And a lot of people thought the Braves wouldn't even make the playoffs at that point because he really did carry them in the first part of the season, uh, just really keeping them afloat so where they could really get to that point where they could make the trades and be able to try and compete for a title for the World Series here later in the year. So 
he, if he stays healthy, the rest of the team can stay healthy. The, the Braves should obviously continue to be one of the best teams in baseball next year. The question is if they can just stay healthy. So you got two things you got to do. Sign Freeman. Obviously try to keep as many guys as you can. Some guys are obviously going to probably look for more money, but that's just the name of the game. And then try to keep the core intact and then stay healthy. If they can do that, they'll obviously be set and be able to contend next year. So congratulations to the Braves. Everyone around that organization was a great series. And so we'll start talking about baseball when it rolls back around. But that's the end of the baseball season, and that's the end of this topic for today. So moving on from there, we're going to be talking about the college football playoff rankings. The first rankings of the season were finally released, as we all were expecting on just two nights ago on Tuesday night. So here we are. First rankings are out, and there's just a lot of stuff that has to be talked about when it comes to this. Because I just give you the first. I just give you the top six. Well, I got, I got to give you the top eight at least. You got Georgia at one, Alabama two, Michigan State three, Oregon four, Ohio State five, Cincinnati six, Michigan seven, Oklahoma eight. So just inside of that, just in the top eight. I got a lot of problems with that top, top eight, and I'll explain why. First off, we all know when it came down to this series, I mean, not to this series, but to this to these rankings, that Georgia was going to be one, and then it was just going to be, okay, we didn't know what was going to happen after that point because the season has just been so so wacky with all the different upsets we've seen and just how we've seen teams play so inconsistently. I mean, some games you see them dominating teams, the next they struggle. One day the defense is good, one day the defense is bad. We've just seen a lot of that this year in college football, and that is part of college football, but this year it's just seemed like there's been a heavy, more heavy dose of that this year than what we've become accustomed to see because we're so used to seeing dominant football from just a select few teams, but this year there have been a lot of up and downs for those teams. So looking at this, uh, first thing that really just popped off to me seeing this was how far Cincinnati was, I mean, just down the list. And, I mean, the AP coaches poll, you see Cincinnati sitting sitting pretty high, sitting at two, at least in the AP. And so a lot of people thought they would at least be top four. But here's the problem, though, and this is – so this is where you have to try to figure out what the committee is – how they're going to pick teams because – the last couple of years, it's been eye test. Just how has the team looked on the field when you watch them play? Are, do they look dominant? Do they look like they're playing the game the right way? Are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? And that's how it's been looked at over the last couple of years. And that's how I personally look at it and try to break down teams <clears throat> and how they look. So, obviously, I, some head-to-head has to factor in when you look at that type of stuff. But just how teams look to me is just more important because you can obviously tell if someone's playing good football and you can obviously tell if they're not. Now, on top of it, though, you also do have to take into account who they're playing. And I think that's the biggest thing that is killing Cincinnati right now. They don't play in a Power 5 conference, so they're playing a easier schedule. The toughest game they played all year was Notre Dame, and that win is continuing to still look good considering Notre Dame has found themselves all the way up to number 10 in this and has only has the one loss. But at the same time, though, that's all they've played, and then we've seen them struggle against teams like Navy. Uh, we've just seen them struggle, and I guess you'd say struggle for a short amount of time, not completely struggle for the whole game. But these are games where they should be blowing teams out by 30, 40 points, but you find them in a close matchup until late third quarter, mid-third quarter, and then they finally break away. So I think that's the type of stuff that the committee is seeing. That's also why I don't have Cincinnati as high on mine. Like I said, eye test is a big thing. They just don't really meet it for me. I don't see their offense being absolutely just going to be dominant against some of the better defenses in the country. And so 
Their defense is all right. They're not phenomenal, but they're they're good. Um, so for them, I think that just everything for them has to come down to their schedule, not playing anybody, and I, that's ultimately hurting them. So the question is, will there ever be a non-power five team that ever gets in? And we don't know. This is why I also say that we need expansion, and I'll get further into that later on. But <clears throat> if we go by how this, if we go by how this looks, there's no game in it unless. For, uh, teams up ahead continue to fall or drop games, Cincinnati is going to be left out. And that's just essentially what we've seen just in this first rank, rankings because there's no game on that schedule the rest of the way that says, man, Cincinnati looked great. They need to be in our top four. And that, if, even if it's their conference championship game, it doesn't matter. They're not playing anyone that's going to give you that jump. So that was a big thing I saw, just that jumped off seeing Cincinnati so low. I figured at least they'd be at four in the college football playoff rankings. So I'm not necessarily mad about this one, but I was just surprised by it. So Because I, re- I really do get it. If you want to be able to compete with the, with the big guys, even though you don't play in a Power 5 conference, go schedule some better outside games. Like If you know you only got two or three outside non-conference games, go schedule you know a team like Notre Dame. Then go schedule someone like Oklahoma or you know, schedule – Ohio State, I mean, you're not that far from So, I mean, schedule some of these big non-conference games that would help you boost your schedule because now you only have one, you did good, you scraped by in it, and now you're struggling against some lower-tier competition, and so that's obviously not helping your case. So, that's the case for Cincinnati at this point. I do not see them getting into the playoff just because of where they sit unless some big stuff happens ahead ahead of them. And I'm just not all too confident about that for just a couple of different reasons. And one is because, obviously, if Georgia wins out in the regular season, they have a spot locked down. So that basically already leaves just three spots left. And Michigan or Ohio State is obviously going to get that. Whichever team wins that matchup coming up in the next few weeks, whoever wins that is going to get a spot. And if Oregon, I don't see them losing, barring they have some slip-up, but their offense seems like they're finally finding their traction again. Oregon will probably, should get in if they win out the way this looks. So you only got one spot at that point. So it's going to boil down to, ultimately, if Georgia, I mean, if Alabama can beat Georgia in the SEC championship, and if Alabama loses, they're obviously out. So what that means is, on the backside of stuff, if some st- if like I said, if a couple of teams lose, you could see maybe Cincinnati sneak in there. It's just not very likely from how it's looking. And another team that I think we have to account for and wonder how this is going to shake out because they're in a Power Five conference, they've looked good, and they find themselves now at the number nine spot. And that's Wake Forest. They're undefeated. They're basically running the ACC this year. They're undefeated, and they can put up points in a hurry. And I wouldn't say their defense is obviously that great, but. They can put up points in a hurry, and obviously I think the way they look, they'd be able to compete against anybody up there. So, with you know, barring maybe a couple of teams that could maybe slow them down a little bit, you know, off, slow them down when they're on offense, and their other teams' offense should be able to score because of how bad their defense is. It's really not that great. Um, but you got to watch them because obviously they're in the ACC. If they go undefeated and they win their conference championship – they could definitely find themselves up there. Cause, and I would not be surprised to, to see them at this point, if they do win out, jump over Cincinnati in that type of scenario because it's going to be really hard to look at it and say you leave out the ACC champion who went undefeated. So that's going to be very interesting to watch. And that these are all just cases on why we need 
expansion because we're seeing teams like even even another one we got to talk about Oklahoma. We saw Oklahoma all the way down to number eight, and this makes sense to me as well. I'm not mad about it. I was surprised about it because there's just seems to be a love for some of these blue blood schools in the rankings that we've always seen, but for some reason they decided Oklahoma was not good enough and that they didn't feel that they needed to be that high up. So they come in at number eight, which is shocking considering they're 9-0, and and everyone keeps raving about Caleb Williams. But to me, this makes sense. Even though they are 9-0, and they've scraped by trying to get wins against teams. And I think I think in their matchups that they've won, I, I can't remember what the type of statistic completely was, but I think it was just in their matchups as a whole that they've won. They've only won by a combined total against this. I think it's the, maybe their conference their conference play. They've only won by a combined of forty points. And you have some teams in the top four that are sitting here that are winning by an average of just thirty two points. So I mean, it's just. They haven't played great. Their defense is still not great. Their offense has been inconsistent. We've seen them struggle with teams like Kansas. We've seen them struggle with teams like West Virginia. So for Oklahoma, this is not a good look because you're sitting at eight. You really have to win out and beat some of these these teams, and you have to do it convincingly, I think, at this point because you are you are 9-0. You've beat Texas. You've beat some, some decent teams, but – at this point, you do not pass the eye test. So that's that's what I'm saying. That I can't really judge it though, because you can't really figure out the eye test. Because one team, it's it's inconsistent, and the other one, well, it's just inconsistent as a whole. One time you look at it and it says, "Oh, that's for the eye test." You understand that, but then you look at a different one, and it's like that doesn't make any sense at all. And who I'm referring to when it comes down to this is is Alabama. You look at Oklahoma; they're getting the eye test, and they're saying, "Okay, you just don't look as good as your record shows." Okay, but then on the flip side, you got Alabama, who has one loss that finds themselves at number two, when to me, they haven't passed the eye test at all for me when it comes down to hitting that number two spot. And the reason I say that is they just lost three weeks ago. This isn't like that loss was just, you know, first early part of the season, three or four games. This was three weeks ago, and then they turn around and they've struggled. Their defense has struggled since then. We saw them lose. I mean, we didn't see them lose. We saw them struggle with Tennessee defensively once again, and that game was close into the fourth quarter until Tennessee got sloppy, turned the ball over, and Alabama just kept putting up points. Obviously, they got to get the point total up, but still, they do not pass the eye test for me. That defense continues to struggle, and anytime we've seen Bryce Young go up against, a, I would say, a competent defense like Florida, like A&M, we've seen, them, we've seen him struggle at times, so it – they just to me they don't fit that number two spot for me there's only two teams that I felt like could possibly go to number two and that would be Michigan State and Ohio State and the reason I say that is Michigan State obviously has the resume they are eight no they beat Michigan they look great in their matchup and then Ohio State has dominated teams up to this point outside of their loss to Oregon. But obviously, they have ma- they have major respect for Oregon. So same idea. If Oregon's ranked number four, Ohio State, that one loss was just it was close. So since then, Ohio State has improved. To me, they have looked. That's why I have them number two in my ranks. I feel like right now the way they are playing, they are number two. They just beat Penn State last week. And I know some people are saying, "Oh, it wasn't convincing." No, it wasn't. They didn't look the best there, but they obviously won, and they were able to pull away when they needed to. That's what good teams do. It's a rivalry game. And see, that's some of the stuff that cracks me up because you'll listen to – You'll listen to some of the the critics and some of the commentators, and they'll talk about how – I'll give you an example. Last week, Georgia plays Florida, and they had people like Kirk Kershaw, Desmond Howard sitting there saying that this was going to be a close matchup between Georgia and Florida and that 
because it was a close matchup, it just boils down to that it's a rivalry game. But when you look at Ohio State in this this situation, they beat Penn State in a closer matchup, but no one wants to talk about the rivalry factor there. They, just not, there's not a lot of consistency in comparing teams when it comes down to just rankings at all. So for me, my top my top two was Georgia and Ohio State, one and two. There is a, to me, and this is just me talking about just the one spot, to me there is a very considerable gap between one and two. And that's just simply because of how dominant Georgia has been over the course of the year, we've seen them dominate any team they have played. They've only allowed at 13 points to be like that's the highest point total that was giving up in a single game against Georgia was 13, and we've seen their offense get better up until this week. So that's where now I, it's the same concern that I've kind of had for Georgia all year. It's a very small concern, but and the reason why it's a small concern because there is something that can be done to change it fast, and that is replacing Stetson Bennett with JT Daniels. We saw Stetson Bennett play like the Stetson Bennett we knew we were going to see at some point. We're just thankful that it came at a point in a game where your defense was able to basically give you essentially three touchdowns with the three turnovers that they were able to generate within the last two minutes of, of the second quarter. So you got to replace Stetson Bennett because he likes to – sometimes he likes to throw in a double coverage. He likes to force stuff. He – to me, he just does not read stuff as well as JT Daniels does. JT Daniels will make corrections at the line of scrimmage. He will change plays audible out of a play if he needs to. You just don't see very much of that from Stetson Bennett. It's kind of just run the play, and then if something breaks down, uh, if something doesn't look right at the line, I'll just roll out of it and I'll run out of it. And then you end up throwing a bad pass, make a mistake, turnover. So he had two turnovers, and that was just a, a – Florida's defense isn't terrible, and that was just against a decent defense. It's not like one of the better defenses you'll probably see this year. It's probably one of the better ones they've seen up to this point, but they'll see better defenses later on, especially like it, when they play whoever they play in the SEC championship, like potentially Alabama is who it's still looking like it's going to be. But you're going to see a better defense. I do not trust Stetson Bennett to win an SEC championship. I do not trust Stetson Bennett to win a national championship. And – but you hear Kirby Smart saying stuff like the the f- fact that he can create something out of nothing with his legs is a factor of why he plays. I get that, and you talk he's talking about how the offensive line you're going to have breakdowns. I understand that, but if you have a quarterback who's up there who can throw the ball, they do not stack the box against you like Florida did against Georgia, and they're not going to bring as much pressure because they have to drop guys to be able to defend. You don't have that. This in the case with Stetson Bennett because they are packing, they they are stacking the box. They're sending tons of rushers at him, trying to get him to move out of the pocket because they know that if they can continue to do it, continue to flush him out, at some point he's going to throw the ball and he's going to turn it over. And we saw that against Florida. But like I said, thankfully their defense is just otherworldly at this point. They were able to get out of it and do it dominantly, just like they've like they've done all year. So the thing is, the question is though. This is the real question. Can Georgia just win a championship based off of just defense? This defense is possibly good enough to do it, and that's something we haven't seen before. But their offense, to make sure that you don't have to rely on your defense for something like that later on, your offense has to be more competent, and it absolutely starts with replacing Stetson Bennett with JT Daniels. Yes, Stetson Bennett has done a good job for the earlier part of this year, but we all know that there is more upside, there is more potential for the offense under JT Daniels. And if anybody knows, and you can see this just because Stetson Bennett has generated no NFL draft 
hype, anything like that. You see plenty of that with JT Daniels because we know he has a strong arm. We know he can run an offense. We know he is a quarterback. And there's a reason why Stetson Bennett was a walk-on. There's a reason why JT Daniels was five stars, so had five stars. There is a considerable difference. And if Kirby somehow blunders this situation on offense and it does cost Georgia down the line, in whether that's the SEC championship or that's the college football playoff, it is not going to be a good look in Athens whatsoever. And I'm not saying they're going to like fire him or anything like that, but it's a real bad look, especially when it comes to recruiting for the quarterback position because this will be the second time at this point that we've seen something like this happen because a lot of people are still upset about the Justin Fields scenario. When Jake Fromm was there, he chose Jake Fromm. Justin Fields did not play. Justin Fields transferred, goes on to play great at Ohio State, moves on, gets drafted. Jake Fromm not even playing in the NFL basically at this point. So just a huge blunder by Kirby there by not playing the better, what seemed like the better player. And then here it's even worse now because you have a five-star versus a walk-on and you're still not playing your five-star that just because he got hurt, you leave him out, don't even give him a shot at trying to get the job back. So if he doesn't correct this, definitely going to be an absolute blunder when it comes down to later in this year. So I would, you know, it'd be very interesting to watch there. But other than that, some other stuff that I saw in this, not going to get too much into detail with it. Something interesting I saw was very surprised to see Mississippi State in the top 25. I know some people are going to look at, oh, they beat Kentucky and they beat A&M. That's a different A&M team, and the Kentucky win obviously was good. That came from a otherworldly game from Will Rogers, who went 36-39 in that game. So I don't think, like I said, it's just very wishy-washy because I test Mississippi State doesn't pass it, and – like I said, it was just very interesting to see how they did it. It kind of just seemed like they just threw down wherever – for different scenarios, they just threw people down in different spots. Didn't understand how BYU was at 15. They obviously have two losses at this point and found themselves that high. And not seeing why Auburn is not ranked at least number 12 ahead of Baylor. Same thing for a and I know Baylor's been decent – been good this year, but not better than those two teams – I think at this point in the season, how both of those two teams are playing. So just some, just some interesting stuff all around. And it'll be interesting to see how this progresses as the season goes along. But uh, we're getting into the latter stages. And I can tell you right now, the way the, the fans all around college football are looking at this, they're ready to erupt if teams do not get in, because this is becoming more and more obvious that expansion is going to have to come. And if it doesn't, you're going to have a lot of people that are, I wouldn't say necessarily disinterested in college football, we're going to lose trust in the system there of college football. So something to definitely look forward to. And with that said, though, last topic we're going to talk about, this is just going to kind of be like a, a rapid fire, kind of just give you some news that's been going on in the NFL, tell you what's what's been going on. Just some headlines real quick. We saw Von Miller traded to the Rams in a trade deadline trade. We've seen – this was a terrible story to hear, but obviously – Decisions have consequences. So Henry Ruggs was obviously cut from the Raiders after he was involved in an accident where he was charged with a DUI that ended up leading to the death of an individual there. They say that he was driving 156 miles per hour just seconds before the crash. So that is absolutely insane. There's a, It's very understandable why the Raiders released him. This is not something that they want to deal with optics-wise. So that was just... That was just crazy to see. So we also saw Jameis Winston went down toward his ACL, also had structural damage to his MCL as well. That's a, kind of a blow to the Saints, even though they were able to defeat Tampa Bay the other day. So that's kind of a blow to them. 
And then we also see that Aaron Rodgers is going to be out for this upcoming game against the Chiefs just due to the fact that he is positive for COVID-19. And obviously everyone makes wants to make a big deal out of him being unvaccinated, even though that's his personal choice. I'm not going to get into that here, though. That's more of a political side of stuff. So with that said, though, that's just the rundown of what's going on in the NFL. Just a lot of different stuff been going on, a lot of different Weird headlines you wouldn't expect to see, especially with that Henry Ruggs situation. That's a, just a terrible story there. Thoughts and prayers go out to the victims and the victims' family in in that situation. That's just not something you want to hear. And like I said, very understandable why the Raiders cut him and do not want to deal with the optics of that situation. And just, like I said, actions actions have consequences. And so this is just a good reminder for young players, for people all around out there, be smart, make good decisions, surround yourself with good people, and just just make good decisions, period, because it can cost you basically your career because it's going to be very hard to see him, I would say, get back into it at least for a while. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to want to sign him, and then there's no telling what type of jail time or consequences from that that he might face. So going to be something to watch, though, definitely to keep up with. But remember, actions have – your actions have consequences, so make good decisions. So with that said, though, that is today's episode. This is the Revolution Sports Podcast, the sports edition. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed it, please make sure you share with others. And also, if you're looking for any more content, go to therevolutionsports.com. We'll have our college football preview and predictions article coming out tomorrow. Make sure you're looking for that. We'll also have Saturday our college football preview and predictions show, our podcast episode, so make sure you're ready to for that one when it releases release at eight o'clock just like every other podcast episode and then tomorrow we will have a political episode so be looking for that 8 a.m trying to get back into the this new new schedule where we're kind of altered going sports one day politics the next day definitely has made it easier so far so hope it's working for everyone else like i said if you if it is make sure you let us know and uh also make sure if you're not you're following us on social media make sure you go and find our social media links on our website make sure you follow us there on all our social media pages that way you can get the latest breaking news on sports and politics so make sure you are following us there and thank you for listening today and joining us and we'll see you in the next one